0: Welcome to Big Papa Rob Podcast Story Rewind. I'm Big Papa Rob. Here I rewind the story of a person, place, or thing and tell you where it originated from. Today's story is about a young lady from Hancock County, Illinois, whose life started off as a lot of children in 1837 did. But when this young lady was around 14 years of age, her life was turned upside down when she had to watch her family be brutally murdered. Her and her sister were taken captive by the Indian tribe of that region. Let's rewind this story to its early beginnings. This young lady was born to her folks in Hancock County, Illinois, on September seventh, 1837. In the 1840s, her parents chose to become Brewsterites, or also known as a ministry known as Church of Christ, which is a descendant group of the Mormons under the leadership of James Brewster. Mr. Brewster believed to have had a vision from God that there was land in the Rio Grande Valley that God had selected for their new gathering place, and the family joined the members of the church on the wagon train to this land August 5th of 1850. The wagon train consisted of between 85 and 93 people. Disagreements in leadership arose as the group reached the New Mexico Territory, and the group divided and this young lady's father led about half the group farther into the territory. This would prove to be devastating for the family. As the group reached in what is known as Arizona, the group was warned about Indian attacks ahead, and most of the members decided not to go any farther. But this young lady's father decided to push forward with his family. They were already concerned about lack of supplies and didn't know if they could wait it out in the conditions As the family pushed along the trail, they became isolated and vulnerable. On the evening of February 18, 1851, the family had made camp along the Gila River. A group of Native Americans of the area approached the camp. The group smoked with the father and asked for food, and her father declined to give them any due to the fact that their supplies were already low. This apparently outraged the group, And they viciously began clubbing the family to death. Only the young lady I'm telling you about and her sister were taken captive. To her knowledge they were the only survivors of the attack. She later found out one of her brothers actually survived the attack. The two children were forced to march to a remote camp the Indian group was from. They were treated poorly and forced to work at the Indian settlement faced to beatings if they did not follow commands. And according to information I gathered, at some point, the daughter of the Mojave chief had seen the girls being abused during an encounter and tried to broker a deal for the girls. At another encounter with the Indian tribe, she finally was able to broker a trade for the two girls. The girls, assuming at the time, they were being handed off to another group of Indians for more abuse. However, they were proven wrong. When they reached the Mojave village, they were warmly greeted and served food. According to the book, The Blue Tattoo, their appearance was even marked by singing and dancing. The chief told everyone to always help the new arrivals and to treat them well. I believe now would be a good time to tell you whom I'm talking about. Today's story is about Olive Oatman. Olive Oatman's story about how the Mojave Indians treated her and her sisters changes over time, from them keeping her and her sister captive against their will, to them treating them as any other member of the tribe, and that they could leave at any time. At one point, both girls were tattooed on their chins and arms in keeping with tribal customs. Some stories claim that Olive said that these were slave tattoos, but according to the Mojave customs, these were the same as many women of the tribe, and in fact, the lines on the chin were very straight and appeared that they were not done under force. The chin tattoo consists of five vertical lines from lips to chin, with two triangles on either side of the outermost line on the chin. These tattoos were believed to lead to good afterlife for those who bore them. The tattoos were done by pricking the skin with small regular rows with a sharp stick until they bled freely. Then they dipped the sticks in weed juice and blue stone powder, which was applied to the open skin. In 1855, Olive lost her sister, Mary Ann, to starvation. There was a severe drought that hit the area, and the tribe lost most of their crops. Along with losing her sister, there were many members of the Mojave tribe that died of starvation as well. In 1856, when Olive was 19 years of age, word had reached a European settlement nearby that the Indian tribe had a white woman among them. A man named Francisco carried a message to the Mojave tribe and met with the Mojave chief and explained to the tribe that they would be attacked if they didn't release the girl. The chief was serious reluctance to let Olive go, saying that she was well-liked and effective family member of the tribe, resigned to turn her over to prevent harm to other members of his tribe, and they bartered a trade. When Olive left the Mojave village, her skin was so brown by years of exposure to the sun, it was hard to tell that she was a white woman, and she was wearing traditional Mojave skirt with no covering above the waist. The trip to the fort was a 20-day journey. Before entering the fort, she was given western clothes lent by the wife of an army officer so that she would be covered before joining civilization. She was reunited with her brother Lorenzo a few days after reaching the fort that she had thought had been killed with the rest of the family. When her brother saw her for the first time, she was almost unrecognizable. She had forgotten the English language, and it took a while for her to adjust to the culture shock of being returned to civilization. With the help of her brother, she began to adapt to her new life back in society. Olive and her brother spent time in California and Oregon, where she met Royal Brian Stratton, a Methodist reverend, who published the first story about her captivity. The book was a bestseller. But like many Westerns, it was reshaped to make it more dramatic, suggesting that the Altman girls suffered at the hands of the savages. Cells from the book were used to send her and her brother to school. She then joined Reverend Stratton on a lecture circuit, hosting talks about her life in the West. She wore a veil to hide her tattoo and would remove it during these lectures. At one of the lectures, Olive and Reverend Stratton were at in Michigan, she met John Fairchild. He had lost his brother to an Indian attack during the cattle drive in Arizona in 1854. In November 1865, Olive and John married. After their marriage, Olive was rarely seen in public without wearing a veil to hide her tattoo. It was said that John tried to burn every book that Reverend Stratton had ever written about Olive's story through the years after their marriage. Olive and John lived in Detroit, Michigan for about seven years before they moved to Sherman, Texas. This was a booming town at the time, and John made his fortune buying land. Later, he founded the city bank of Sherman. Olive got involved in charity work. Her particular interest was helping local orphanage. They lived in a Victorian mansion. The couple was not able to have children and later adopted a little girl named Mary Elizabeth after their mothers. Olive died on October 8, 1903 at the age of 65 of a heart attack and was buried in the West Hill Cemetery in Sherman, Texas. Olive left a legacy. There's a town called Oatman in Arizona located near her release site that was named in her honor in 1915. There was another town in Arizona named Olive City after her and the Oatman name was used for a mountain in Arizona as well. There was a character loosely based on her, mainly relating to her tattoo and being captive by the Indians on a popular television series called Hell on Wheels. This is where I first heard of Olive Oatman, several years ago. There's been several books written about her, not only the one written by Reverend Stratton, Captive of the Oatman Girls, but another well-written book that focused more on the true story of Olive Oatman, The Blue Tattoo, The Life of Olive Oatman. Thank you for listening today. I hope you come back next week for my next story. The stories will be ever-changing from the historical origins of many things and stories of people that you may not know their history. And again, I'm Big Papa Rob, and this was Story Rewind, an independent podcast. Story Rewind is produced by Big Papa Rob. Today's music is powerful, stylish, stout rock by Mark July from Pixabay. This was a Big Papa Rob Podcast 2023.